This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. This is Wendell Young, president of UFCW Local 1776. We proudly represent nearly 35,000 members who serve their communities at meatpacking and food processing plants, nursing homes, manufacturing plants, grocery stores, our fine wine and good spirits stores, and in the medical cannabis industry, among others. Our members earn fair wages and good benefits. We give workers a voice in their workplace. To learn more about our union, please visit UFCW1776.org. Willig Williams and Davidson celebrates the remarkable legacy of Wendell W. Young III for a lifetime of service to working families. His empathy, determination, and commitment have inspired generations of activists. He inspires us. WWD is blessed to have called him a client and a friend. For more than 40 years, Willig Williams and Davidson lawyers have represented unions and their members in labor relations, workers' compensation, and legal services. Learn more at www.law.com. Now on Talk Radio to another edition of the Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause as we broadcast to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We've reached another moment in time, J. Doc, where we get to stop, put a pause uh, in the weekly show and look back so we understand, as you mentioned in your opening remarks, as to why uh, we're here and why Philadelphia is such an incredible uh, union town, an incredible labor town. Uh, You know, and for a guy like me, it is just so educational to learn so much uh, about the history, and that's what we'll do tonight. Yeah, Joe, and and, and certainly we talk about the labor movement and and the difference that has been made uh, by our great labor leaders of today and yesteryear. But what's awesome about it is that difference has made far exceeds the labor movement. You'll see as we talk the difference that were made in countless lives. Um, the, 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 of course, that that work under a collective bargaining agreement and are fortunate enough to be in a union, but also the standards that were created, the lives that were touched, that far exceed the labor movement. And by the way. Um, that is one of the things I love about the labor movement. Uh, we speak for those who can't speak for themselves um, in a union and those who do not have a collective bargaining agreement. So people are going to learn a lot tonight. I'll let you get started and let you get underway as we broadcast here uh, on the Labor Show. Just one uh, programming reminder, just so the listening audience has a full uh, handle on uh, our guest list. We'll have multiple guests that will join us throughout uh, the show. And then also Cong- uh, Congressman Dwight Evans will uh, join us. Uh, State Senator Tina Tartaglione will join us. And Jeff Brown, CEO of ShopRite, uh, will join us as well. So a full guest lineup tonight, Jay Doc, should yep. be a great, great uh, show. I'll let you get underway. So before we get, we bring in uh, Wendell Young the Fourth, who's the president of UFCW seventeen six seventy six at at this time, and we've had Wendell on the program. Well, welcome, Wendell, to the broadcast. Thank it's, you. It's so awesome, and obviously we appreciate the hospitality, being in front of um, 
uh, you know, the group of people tonight. Um, I'd like to read some of your father's accomplishments. When I mentioned, when we started off, talk about, uh, you know, uh, staggering. Let's 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 kind of look at a few things, um, and and you'd almost think you were talking about the president of the United States. <laughs> at age 16, while a sophomore at Northeast Catholic High School, he he be he began. <laughs> All right. He began working part-time, as a part-time clerk at Acme Markets in the Northeast. After being encouraged by his own father to get involved in the union, Mr. Young's co-workers elected him as shop steward. At age 23 in 1962, Wendell W. Young III successfully ran uh, for union executive office and eventually became the youngest labor leader in Pennsylvania. During his 43-plus years as president, Mr. Young expanded the union to include more than 24,000 members. You, I don't know how many members we have in the Philadelphia Building Trades, but it's a lot, okay? You look at, and I don't, and, and 24,000 members is almost like an entire building trades. Uh, to, to give, and, and I, and well, you, you, Wendell, the fourth will, we're probably past that number now, but it's a staggering amount of numbers. He supported the creation of super fresh markets and a creative employee stock ownership bid that saved Acme markets and thousands of jobs throughout the region. Under Mr. Young's leadership, Local 1776 won national acclaim for negotiating innovative employee benefits, including comprehensive health care coverage, pension plans, child care benefits, and higher, edu- and higher education assistance political impact. Beginning with John F. Kennedy's presidential campaign in 1960, Mr. Young was active in the Democratic Party politics throughout Pennsylvania, serving as the leader of Philadelphia's 35th Ward and as a delegate to eight Democratic National Conventions. In 1972, he headed the U.S. Senator George McGovern's presidential campaign in Philadelphia, winning the city by 80,000 votes. He was a trusted advisor to the governor uh, to Governor Casey and U.S. Senator Casey. Uh, as an early backer of Jimmy Carter, Mr. Young served as the president's cit- on, on the President's Citizens Panel of the Panama Canal. Environmental commitment. He pioneered a labor alliance with the environmental movement as a leader of the Citizens Labor Energy Coalition that advocated for green energy and consumer rights. Throughout his life, having, rec- been, having recognized the impact of uh, the global economy, Mr. Young was committed to establishing and expanding relationships between American labor movement, the American labor movement, and workers advocates throughout the world in carrying out his mission. He went to Brazil, Great Britain, Cuba, Bulgaria, Ireland, Russia, Eastern Europe, and, and, the Tong- and, and Togo, amongst other nations. In 1973, believing that uh, that adversaries should have a di- should dialogue, he was among the first U.S. labor leaders to visit China. In the late 1990s, Mr. Young played an instrumental role in establishing the Pennsylvania Welcoming Center and organized an organization supporting immigrant rights, civil rights, giving back. Throughout his career, Mr. Young built a community alliances to provide a voice for the underprivileged. The underprivileged. He was active in both the peace and civil rights movements. Mr. Young was active in fundraising activities for his alma mater, North Catholic High School, and St. Joseph's University, and for St. Patrick's Ceremony, uh, Maynooth, uh, in Kildare, Ireland. 
He served on the board of the directors of North uh, Catholic uh, Alumni Association and was involved in numerous charitable and civic activities, including the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, the, Pen the Peggy Browning Fund, the Variety Club, the Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament. That was a longtime member of the Ancient Order of Hiberians, John Kehoe Division, Gerardsville, PA, just to, save, just to, just to name a few. Now, I read, we, well, this is part of what we read, Joe, and when, when we were you know, obviously making our choices. Does that sound like any labor leader you've ever, and we've got great labor leaders, but to me, that resume is so vast, it's just, it's, it's incredible, Joe. And so I couldn't be happier and more appreciative than to be here dedicating uh, this Legends of Labor Hall of Fame induction to, to Wendell Young III. Wendell, what do you, this is Wendell, Wendell, Wendell IV. Uh, Wendell, what do you think when you, when, when, when you hear all those accolades and, and, and really the things that he did? Well, first of all, um, J. Doc uh, Krause, thanks for uh, putting this together and remembering my, my dad. Um, what I think about is, is the fact that, um, you know, obviously I've known my dad since I was born, right? Um, every, everything he did involved the union. Uh, it was the fabric of his life. Um, and and that, didn't, that doesn't mean that, you know, we didn't have a family life, but our family life overlapped a lot with that. You know, a family outing was going to a union picnic. Right. Um, going to union meetings. Um, you know, a day out with dad was knocking on doors to get somebody elected. Uh, standing at the polls. Uh, I, I think I honestly was handing out leaflets at the polls before I was old enough, before I, I could talk. Um, I remember uh, doing picket duty uh, when I was about seven or eight years old uh, during a Lit, Lit Brothers strike. There's a few people in this room might remember that strike in Philadelphia. And, um, and it happened during the holidays, so I was off from school. I spent my days going there. Um, so I grew up with this. And Dad, um, you know, you, the last you read was very impressive. And I, I know um, I'm very biased about that, but um, it, it's, it's just the surface. Um, there, there's so much, much more. Um, you know, we have a guest here tonight, Bob Walker, Bob Walper in the audience, who uh, spent years trying to document um, Dad's, you know, life um, to, to write about it. And it, it really took a long, long time. And, and we're not able to finish because of his health, uh, you know, in the end. Um, but, um, you know, he was just so multidimensional. And he was ahead of his time. Uh, he really was. I mean, um, I grew up hearing stories, obviously, about, things that occurred before my time here at the local. There's some people here tonight that, that lived through some of those stories. But, um, you know, when he was president, he was elected president when he was 23. He was elected the year before as business agent because they were elected back then at age 22. Um, one of the things he thought was really wrong is how the health care plan, um, and this was very common in this country, unfortunately, didn't cover uh, unwed mothers um, and their children when they gave birth. And and uh, he fought to change that. He, he felt it was really, you know, uh, morally wrong, and and not, you know, some of our members didn't didn't take well to that, you know, um, and so they 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 moved to have him impeached and thrown out of office, and run against him. Um, they were the kind of things he was doing when it wasn't popular to do so, because he and, and he would tell all of us all the time that you know you can't do what's popular, what's expedient, what's convenient. You have to do what's right. And if you do what's right and you're honest with people about it, they're going to support you because you're going to help improve their lives. That's interesting because great labor leadership 
um, there are a lot of factors, you know, in it. And one of those factors is uh, obviously, you know, making decisions that you think are in the best interests of the union and the members. Sometimes they are not popular. And those labor leaders that have the conviction uh, not to be afraid of their members and to do what's right, uh, members can tell when people, you know, care, you know, when their motives are pure. And so having the courage and the strength to make those difficult decisions, you and I have talked and even um, when when we launched, you were on the first show when we launched and we were doing the announcement show and you told a lot of stories on that show that I could relate to like it was yesterday. And, and so it is a part of their, the fabric of, 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 uh, of, of your father's life that you know, it was absolutely not a job. Okay, it's, it's who he was. And then, you know, so having said that, um, you know, I, I absolutely can, can, you know, can relate to what you're talking about because the decisions that he made and, and growing a union Okay, at the level that he that that he, uh, you know that that he did, um, you know th- those things don't come without growing pains, and having the courage to do those things. That what, was he always a, a leader? In, in other words, what was it like living with him? <laughs> well, some of my brothers are here. You might want to uh, check in with some of them too. But well, he was tough. You know, um, German Irish family, Northeast Philly. Um, you know. Um, Growing up, um, I knew my not only obviously my dad, but my grandfather, my great grandfather. All four Wendells were alive. Um, the generation that preceded him, you know, they grew up, um, you know, during the war and and the depression before that, and they knew how tough life was and how you had to fight for everything. And you know, my my father's family, they came out of Centralia, which isn't even there today, um, and and were out of the coal mines. And, you know, the, they, they understood you had to get out of there to survive, that the men didn't live long. And so you mentioned about the ancient order of Hibernians. Well, that's in a nearby town. They're located up in a nearby town to Centralia. And, uh, and you know, he traced his roots back to there. And some of his social justice, you know, um, um, thinking came from uh, growing up in a household where a couple of his, nun- his uh, aunts were nuns with the Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, missionaries who taught in um, you know uh, uh, poor uh, Indian reservations and urban neighborhoods to Indian and African American children, and that was their their dedication, their mission. And his, um, his one of his one of my aunts, his aunts, uh, was the uh, leader of the order. Uh, Saint Mother and Catherine Drexel had actually uh, uh, designated her to succeed her as as the uh, founder of the order, and she led that order for over thirty years. And, and, and then another one of his aunts, Aunt Florence, was with the medical missions. And, and she was like an amazing surgeon who, who set up uh, MASH um, uh, um, units in Korea and Vietnam and oversaw them for the government, uh, for our military. And, and these were the people that influenced him. And, and uh, Father um, Henry, his uncle, um, a priest, a Roman Catholic priest. And um, so, you know, he, he, he was brought up in that environment. Um, me and my brothers grew up in that environment. Um, so there was a, an element of service, hard work, and realizing what people really struggled uh, to survive, what it was like for them. And, you know, he was, um, I think, um, not, not exclusive, but unique at the time in that, you know, he had a, a college education when he, you know, he worked as, at Acme when he went through college. And he... Um, 
and they ran for office as a part-time ACME clerk. Um, and, you know, uh, labor leaders back then, not a lot of them had college educations. And, and I think that made a, a big difference for our members because when the 70s hit, not, you know, a decade later, um, you know, a lot of us, I think I look around the room here, except for maybe one or two of my daughters who are here, everybody was here during the 70s and remembers how tough that was. It was the worst decade in our economy uh, you know, since the Great Depression um, up until that time. And it was really hard on a lot of the retailers, which was the backbone of our union. And, um, and you know, companies like A&P that no one ever thought would be able to hit on hard times and food fare. You know, by the end of the 70s, were either out of business or on their way out of business. And then he faced the pressure of privatization of the liquor stores, which was a very important part of our union um, that he had fought to organize a, a decade earlier. And so he was able to bring together um, the, the right people. He recognized uh, his own limits and the union's limits to so hire people from the outside. Uh, to, I'm looking at some of the pictures we're running in the back, and I see some of those uh, folks that were hired for each one of those things to help. Uh, our members land on their feet. And so when he was able to convince A&P to come back as super fresh, and you see some of the folks here in the room today, um, you know, went through all that with A&P and eventually super fresh. And when Acme um, was almost sold off and carved up into pieces in the 90s, he again put those, you know, what he had learned and, and the skills um, together to uh, launch an, an employee stock option plan to buy Acme, right? That the members would buy it. And, and what was really hard for him to explain to people is that the preferred plan wasn't to actually buy the company. It was to keep others from buying it and forcing American to keep it and reinvest in it. But to do that, you had to have the best plan. So at the end of the process, the auction, our members raised a billion dollars uh, from, from direct equity, a company called Freeman Spogley, to buy the, the company. That was the asking price. American stores was so ticked off that they took, it was the only bid and they took it off the market uh, instead of selling it because it was with all the other companies that owned around the country. What my father understood is they'll never sell it to us because that they can't have that, the company couldn't stand that being the solution to companies extracting a lot of concessions or, or carving up companies and selling them off. So his strategy worked. It wasn't guaranteed it was going to work, but it worked. But he was willing to take those kind of chances because to do nothing would have left people in, a, in, in really bad shape. And, and leadership, obviously, what we were talking about, um, what, 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 what in our introduction about how important leadership is um, in our community, he, he had that from a, 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 a very early age. And being a visionary and not being afraid to make those moves, those are pretty high tech even today, um, you know, you're going to your membership and sitting down and saying, "Listen, let's let's you know, buy our own business to maintain our own uh, our own union members, but to to procure our own work." Um, did he ever talk about you know leadership and and or did he exude it and 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 being a visionary? Even because I know you obviously you were under his tutelage. Um, what what were his thoughts in those particular areas? Well, he had a pretty simple view of it, um, and I know I've said this before. Um, you know, you, first of all, he felt you had to do your homework, right? And in his case, when he started looking at employee ownership, just to use an example, um, which really paid dividends in both the AMP and ACME, um, there were mistakes made in the AMP one. And that was in 81, 82. 
Um, so we learned from that and how to apply it come 1991 when we went through it with ACME. Um, and, but, but he started looking at this in the 70s. You know, when the economy of the 70s went the way it did, he knew there was going to be collapse, and he saw them. He saw companies like Lip Brothers leave and some others, um, and, and how food fare exited very quickly um, with little or no notice. You know, we have today in this country the WARN Act, um, where companies have to give notice if they have uh, so many employees or more. You know, the first place in the country it had that was Philadelphia. It's a plant closing bill. David Cohen, Councilman Cohen. You know, Bob Walper in the back of the room helped write that with my dad. And, and um, the plant, Philadelphia plant closing law. And, and the, um, we were the first here to have it. It was because of what happened to Food Fair. That company only gave people two days notice, and that's only because my father outed them. They weren't going to give them any notice. They were going to be told when they came to work on Saturday, we're out of business at noon. And, and they, had to, they had to come out clean with it on Thursday, and that led to the plant closing law. So he, all these different experiences helped him evolve over time. And, um, and, and he also knew that he, he had to not be afraid of, of what he didn't know. In other words, be willing to hire outside professionals to help. So putting together a team um, back in the 70s to fight privatization of liquor stores, you know, people from Wharton and other places, uh, to have a plan ready to go if they, if they had to launch an employee buy out of the liquor stores, if there was a bid process, actually became the foundation of what happened to both A&P and Acme. Acme wouldn't be here today if, if that hadn't happened. You know, they're, they're, the, the, the most likely scenario was it would have been sold off in bits and pieces. It wouldn't have been here. But that forced, in 1991, American stores to come back and negotiate with all the unions that, as a result of that effort, that ESOP plan was very well organized at that point. And my father was the chief organizer on that. And, and what that forced the company to do was renegotiate all the labor contracts to include capital investment. And, it, and, and that's what was missing in the prior decade, capital investment, because the company had gone into a harvesting mode, the owners, the, the investors. And that whole experience not only prevented Acme from being sold and carved up, but forced them to put what doesn't sound like a lot of money today, but in those days was almost a billion dollars in the next five years into Acme, and, and mostly into the greater Philadelphia area. They would not be here today if it weren't for that. He saw that. He could see those things in his mind and he would figure out strategies that in the moment maybe everyone didn't understand it but but he saw the down the line consequences of either not trying it or trying it and and it didn't all he wasn't afraid to make mistakes to get back to your question about like he understood you had to try things to gain and sometimes they're not going to go well but you have to do it for the right reasons. Jade, I'll hold your thought. This is the Legends of Labor as we broadcast to you here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We'll get to a commercial break. On the other side of the break, Michelle Kessler uh, will be our first guest here. Uh, back in a moment. Union members who need help with mental health and substance abuse problems turn to MHC. MHC is a behavioral health care company serving unions for over 40 years. They provide member assistance programs and access to a dedicated provider network. MHC's licensed care managers provide individualized support to members struggling with depression, anxiety, and addiction. They take the guesswork out of behavioral health treatment options. MHC also provides training, education, and crisis response at the worksite. For more information, visit mhconsultants.com. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. Today's program has been pre-recorded. 
Tonight's Legends of Labor special is sponsored by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, Local 1776, and sponsored in part by Willig Williams and Davidson, Attorneys at Law, Bolton USA, The Young Law Group, and Mental Health Consultants. And back here on our very special edition of the Legends of Labor. Pretty good stuff, Jay Doc, as we are underway on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We've got a great lineup of guests that are going to join us. We have a very special guest uh, to start off uh, our next segment. Jay Doc, over to you, sir. Yeah, Joe, we, we were fortunate enough to have uh, individuals that uh, worked with Wendell, um, that knew him, that were there, and that are going to provide some testimony. I'd like to uh, ask uh, Wendell Young IV if you'll do the honors, if you will. So I'm really excited to introduce you to our next guest. Um, very special person who um, you know did work with Dad. I've, I've had the pleasure of working with her for a long time. i got to say, she's one of the most important women in all Pennsylvania, according to City and State Magazine, several times now. She's all made right. a couple of her lists. Um, she's an outstanding partner here at work. Uh, she is the secretary treasurer of Local 1776. And, um, you know, my, my father would be extremely proud to see the work she's done now because, as I've said before, he was, a little, he was quite a bit ahead of his time. And, and, you know, not only for the reasons I mentioned earlier, but his stance on helping workers who had immigrated here back in the 60s and 70s, not because, not you know, it was popular to do so because it was the right thing, but also... Uh, he was very he was very serious about inclusion and diversity. And uh, Michelle's not just secretary treasurer of our local, uh, but she also heads up one of the most important constituency groups in our international union, uh, outreach, uh, which is the LGBTQ group. and And she also represents our union um, globally in the um, in the global labor movement. Um, and so I'm just so happy with all the work she's done. And um, Michelle also comes from another local that we merged with in the 90s. And, and you know, it's a great example of the way my father uh, did things. You know, it, sometimes those mergers look more like takeovers, but he was very serious at how to be inclusive. So here we are today. She is the secretary treasurer of Local 1776, having uh, come out of that local as, as uh, one of the staff and, and grew up there in, in north central Pennsylvania. So Michelle Kessler. All right. From Hello. Mountaintop, PA. Welcome to the broadcast, Michelle. Thank you. Proud to be here. It, it's great to have you. If, if, if you were, what, what was your relationship with, with, with Wendell III? So I met him in 1988 at the Democratic National Convention, and we hung out. And he's this big-time labor leader. I was an organizer at a rinky-dinky local union from Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, and you would have thought that we grew up together. You know, I find that amazing because um, somebody close to me who, I, I didn't know your father, Wendell, but I always describe my own father as somebody who'd rather sit at the bar with, with, with a, an apprentice iron worker than, than hang out with the, you know, the so-and-so senator. There might have been a couple drinks. Yeah. <laughs> well, you think I wasn't appreciated to that as well? Um, but talk about, you know, what impressed you uh, about Mr. Young and uh, and what kind of drew you to him? Because I'm sure you, you know, you had your own, you know, passions as well. Sure. Uh, what was the immediate, you know, attraction there? So he was a, a contradiction because at the same time he was this big time labor leader that people revered, and at the same time just a, a casual guy. 
somebody who's relatable. Very relatable. And I, Wendell, I, want, I want to make sure I talk about this. Also inclusive, right? He saw in the 1980s, there wasn't a lot of women that really got many great positions in the labor movement. And people knew that this local union was a local union at the time where you could, you could grow. Like there was potential as a woman. And it's one of the reasons we ultimately ended up merging is I was an advocate of that. I wanted to be part of a local union that was progressive. That's and interesting because, you know, social justice, uh, okay, which is at the forefront of, you know, everything that's going on today uh, across America. But Mr. Young passed away in 2013. Correct. Okay. So you would think we were talking about something that just recently happened. Having that courage uh, and that leadership, okay, and you really the, not 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 just the, the foresight, um, but at the time. And, and we've listened. Uh, you know, it, it, a lot of unions have been diversifying over the years. Over the years, we've taken a beating for it. Um, you know, in the paper, sometimes unfairly, especially lately, as as, as we're going forward, but. Um, you know, it wasn't at the forefront of a lot of uh, unions' uh, agendas. Having that uh, disposition, and, and not just character, really, it's, it's about character, um, that impressed you? So 30 years ago, they started a group in the UFCW, the United Latinos. And here's this, you know, white guy from Philadelphia. Yeah. He was a founding member of the United Latinos, which is really important to have that openness, because 30 years ago... You know, in this neck of the woods, you know, not so much. Yeah, and, 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 you know, I don't know what the constituency was here, but, you know, and, and, and America's, you know, grown and, and, and learned, and I don't know if empathy was a big, uh, you know, focus of, of a lot of, you know, union members at the time. Everybody's gone and trying to, um, you know, feed their families and, you know, back, you know, I remember in my own union, okay, but, you know, having, you know, we've, we had our own, you know, stretching period and all those things. People don't like change. When you have the business manager or, and the president of the union, you know, holding the flame and, and, and holding the, the, right. the flag. Um, how, by the way, how did that impact, uh, you know, a, a lot of the members when they saw a fearless individual up, the, uh, up front who really, and, and, and it I'm not saying it was a risk, but it was a risk because oh, sure. his 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 constituency, I'm sure, was not Latino. I'm sure it was not, uh, or largely Latino or uh, LGBTQ right. or, or or you know African American. But yet he carried the torch and said, "Follow me." What you know? Talk about that impact. So, if I could, I mean, there's a lot of labor unions today that need to do better in this area, and we're talking 30 years ago. And since then, our Within our local union, we have a very high number of Latino members, folks from Haiti, different parts of Central America, Africa. And when he would, I remember once he went to our um, Empire Kosher poultry plant. I'm not sure how many years ago it was, maybe 2005. They loved him. They loved him because he had a way about him. They knew he was real. It wasn't, can you say bullshit on Radio? Well, we're going to edit it anyway, so go ahead and say it. <laughs> it was, so, you know, it wasn't, you know, it was real, and people could tell that about him. And, and, and Wendell, uh, talk about that. Um, where, were you, where was your family originally from? So, uh, I, me and my brothers grew up um, in northeast Philadelphia, uh, and, and um, uh, his family uh, was, you know, he, as a, he was born and raised in northeast Philadelphia also. And he went to North Catholic. He did. Um, um, originally St. Martin of Tours Parish, but then Our Lady of Calvary. We know the city by parishes. Sure. Right? 
And, you know, what Michelle's talking about is really important because while she encountered that in the 80s, in the 60s, when we didn't have those Latino members, yeah, he was traveling to South America and elsewhere, um, helping them, um, um, you know, organize and or understand the American labor movement, and also started working closely with Cesar Chavez and the farm workers to bring justice to the workers in the fields. And... Um, and especially through what was then legal, some boycott me mechanisms to help them organize better standards for the farm workers. Um, and, uh, and that became a, a lifelong friendship because Caesar would visit here every once in a while. I was probably the only kid in school that knew who Caesar Chavez was right. and had pictures with, with him. Right. But, but, um, but that goes back way before it was popular to do so. Well, where did you, you mentioned your aunts and, and you mentioned obviously you know the religious background and 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 but where did that courage you know come from? I say that because I mean you know you, you mentioned St. Martin of Tours and then Calvary. Um, certainly you know back then not the most diverse neighborhoods in the world, and so well, I, I was from East Falls. So, you know I, I grew up in a very diverse area, um, and and my point is your dad took a leadership stance um, when it would have been easier not to. So it, it was the people he grew up around. Uh, first of all, his his parents um, believed in these things and, and what was right. Um, I told you about the sisters from the two different orders. Yeah. They were missionaries. They were very strong women and um, and and incredibly dedicated to the mission of, of serving poor people and, and uh, uh, helping educate. Um, and then Father Henry, uh, as a Roman Catholic priest, you know, chose during his time with the, you know, until he died, to be in inner city poor neighborhoods because that's where they needed to help at a time where the Catholic Church was closing parishes in those communities. Yeah. And it was, it was um, and these are the people that he was surrounded by and, 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 and the upbringing he had. So uh, obviously a lot, of that, uh, a lot of that rubbed off on him. At age 23 years old to be a, a union uh, representative, uh, it's almost mind boggling as, as we know. You know what it takes to lead individuals and to have that character um oh and one last thing you go to saint joe's they were jesuits right they were liberal progressives so he right. uh, a lot of that rubbed off on him too. absolutely uh michelle um if you were to look at the big picture how did uh wendell young the third impact your life wow that's a let me tell a story the last the last time i remember seeing him we were in this room the place was packed with stewards from our ACME. I don't know if you remember this. He came in and I don't know if he had like a cane or almost like, I don't think it was a walker, but he had a cane. He walked in from the back and up and I think you gave him the floor to say a few things. He started off, he was so wobbly. He could barely speak and I thought, oh no, this, this might have been a mistake. This might not be a good moment. He started getting up some steam and it was unbelievable. This person transformed in front of us to this, it was like they took a step back 40 years and he gave this rousing speech. This whole room, everyone was standing up, clapping, hooting and hollering, just a person with passion and, and grace and intellect and uh, just, you know, just a wonderful, wonderful. Person. As a labor leader yourself, does that, uh, do, you, do you draw from, you know, that kind of carriage and those type of experiences. I love that. I love that. So we're, we're, uh, we're, we're about a minute left. 
his greatest attribute, uh, his passion, his, his vision. Um, but when, when, when you think about his legacy, what do you think about? Look what he built. You're sitting in it right now. 35,000 members. Some of the most, uh, you know, uh, radical at the time benefits. He changed people's lives. I'm not quite sure what more you could ask for as a labor leader than to be able to have that kind of impact, not only today, but for future generations. Michelle Kessler, thank you so much for sure joining thing. us. This is the Legends of Labor as we broadcast to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Big round of applause for Michelle. Great job. Michelle, well done. Nice job. We'll get to a uh, commercial break as we roll along. Don't forget a little bit later on in the broadcast, U.S. Congressman Dwight Evans uh, will share some comments and some thoughts. After the break, Carla Dorsey will join us. Back in a moment. This is Wendell Young, president of UFCW Local 1776. We proudly represent nearly 35,000 members who serve their communities at meatpacking and food processing plants, nursing homes, manufacturing plants, grocery stores, our fine wine and good spirits stores, and in the medical cannabis industry, among others. Our members earn fair wages and good benefits. We give workers a voice in their workplace. To learn more about our union, please visit UFCW1776.org. Willig Williams and Davidson celebrates the remarkable legacy of Wendell W. Young III for a lifetime of service to working families. His empathy, determination, and commitment have inspired generations of activists. He inspires us. WWD is blessed to have called him a client and a friend. For more than 40 years, Willig Williams and Davidson lawyers have represented unions and their members in labor relations, workers' compensation, and legal services. Learn more at WWD. WWDlaw.com. Today's program has been pre-recorded. Tonight's Legends of Labor special is sponsored by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union Local 1776 and William Willigan Davidson Attorneys at Law. And back here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, a special edition of the Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause. This is our Legends of Labor special, J. Doc, and it is our Hall of Fame uh, induction. And boy, I will tell you from the crowd, because I don't sometimes, when we do these shows, I don't get a chance to sit up at the head table, J-Doc. You take all the mic time, which is fine. <laughs> uh, but I do get a chance to step off and listen. Boy, it is amazing, as you said uh, in the opening remarks, a very, very, very uh, special night for us on The Labor Show. And special thanks to Michelle Kessler, uh, who joined us, J-Doc, in our previous segment. Absolutely. And I want to uh, shout out and, and, and thank Frank Keel of Keel Communications, who's a part of our committee, but also helped to, to produce all the content uh, for, you know, the, you know, the induction. So shout out to Frank. Um, having said that, we're, we're going to bring on uh, to the program uh, Carla Dorsey. And, and uh, Wendell, if, if, if you would, uh, again, uh, the introduction, please. Well, I've known Carla for, um, uh, I would say, most of my career. Uh, as a union member, Carla is um, one of our rank, what we call rank and file union members. She's also an executive board member and a very fierce shop steward at Rite Aid here in the Philadelphia area. And you know, this is one of the most challenging places to work. You know, people think of dangerous work, um, you know, like factories or 
or or uh, um, what would you call it? Deep sea fishing and construction, oh, yeah. things like that, right? Um, but um, but you, you know, it is hard being in retail and dealing with the, the the things you have to deal with in today's world, and and especially working for a company that um, needs to do better to protect their workers. And, and Carla's been there for for about three decades now, well, more than three decades. And um, just as uh, fantastic with her coworkers, uh, very protective as a shop steward, and uh, and she's worked. You know, she was here during the years uh, that my dad was here, and uh, would help bargain those contracts. So I'm glad she made it tonight, and uh, and and I'd like to introduce everybody to Carla Dorsey from Philadelphia. It's great to have you, Carla. Thank you. Absolutely. Having having said that, what what was your relationship uh, to Wendell the Third? He was very nice. I love the fact that you could just walk up to him and talk. If you had a question, you didn't understand something, he took the time out and talked to you about it. And as a, as a shop steward, okay, uh, it's important. Uh, obviously, you're, you know, uh, you know, you're dealing with the employees. You're dealing with safety issues. You're also dealing with management. Um, talk about you know, some of the things that you learned from, from, from Wendell. Um, that you apply in your, you know, because you're on the front lines. Uh, you know, it, it happens where you're at. Um, talk about what you apply in, in, in your job. You're the representative to the, you know, of, 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 for the members uh, in, to the union. And talk about that. You have to really let your members know that you really care about them. If they see that, they respect you more. Uh, you have to make it personal. And with me, it's always personal. It's never business. It's always personal. When I go to my management, when they know I come to them, I actually have a problem. It's not something that's trivial. I actually have a problem. Normally, I could sit down and work it out with them. Once in a while, I have to call my union rep, but as a... You, you, you know, you, you, well, I, here's the way I'm looking at it. If Carl can't handle it, you know, not many people can. <laughs> that's true. How, how did um, Wendell, uh, Wendell III impact your life? He just told me to be honest and just be real personable with the people. Always be willing to listen. And when you listen, you learn. And being a part of a union. Okay, yes. what I always say, and Wendell, you and I have said this um, a lot, the, the difference between being in a union and, and not being in a union is the difference between a job and a career. Absolutely. And having that representation. Uh, what does that mean to the members uh, that, you, that you obviously... You know, you're talking to every day. You were educated in, 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 in unionism. I always, one of the things I always, I get a kick out of, you know, I talked about being born on third base. A lot of the young members, young, you know, even like even in my union, that, you know, they're, on, they're, on the, they're out there to be in the apprentice school for like three weeks and they're complaining about their benefits, right? Um, talk about the, the uh, uh, what it means to, to kind of speak unionism obviously, to, to, to individuals that may not have ever been in a union before, especially young people, um, because you're the representative there. So what I do in my company is I ask them, have you ever been in a union? Have your mother been in a union? Your father been in a union? So I know how deep I have to go into the conversation. And I make it personal. And I would say to them, if you've never been in a union, I says, act like this is my store. And my son lost his job. I said, you could be my best worker, never miss a day, always on time, but I'm going to let you go. And I'm going to give my son your job and give him more money. But because we have a union, I can't do that. 
Right. And when I explain it to them that way, they understand. So everybody gets a fair shake. Right. And the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, right. That's right. Having that representation. Uh, exactly. You, 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 you're, you're able to, to, to rely on people and they know you have their back. What was your fondest memory of Wendell Young III? Um, talking, just talking. If I had a question, I could just go to him and talk to him. Well, listen, um, we really appreciate you, uh, you know, obviously, you know, lending your testimony and, and you're a, a fantastic example of the strength of the union. It's what it's all about. You're as strong as your members. And uh, we, 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 we want to thank you for, for, for coming up and being on the broadcast. And, uh, and we, you know, like I said, you know, you're a great example of, of, of uh, what Wendell Young III, the legacy of, of what he created and what lives on every day. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, if Sorry. I can, before You had asked me earlier about some of the things I remember about Dad and leadership, right? He always made it clear. The strength is the members. Strength is the members. And, and Carlos and everyone who's here tonight is a great example of that. And, uh, you know, he never let us forget that, those of us who worked here. What was your, what, you. what, what, what location are you at? I'm at Rite Aid, 56 and Chestnut. All right. I, I, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going I'm to make a stop out there. I want to, you know. Start I, any right. trouble down there, Jade. <laughs> oh, no, you think I'd mess with Carla? Carla no chance. Good care. A big round of applause for Carla. Well done. Uh, that's Carla Dorsey joining us here on Thank our you, Legends of Labor special. Uh, we're going to pause for just a moment as we uh, take a short break. U.S. Congressman Dwight Evans. Back in a moment. Hi, this is Jeff Brown. You, you may know me from, from my ShopRite supermarkets in the Philadelphia area. And today we're remembering Wendell Young III. And uh, I was maybe 23 years old, 22, 23 years old. And I, I want, you know, my dad, my granddad, my great-grandfather were all grocers. I wanted to be a grocer. And um, the first thought that came to, to, to my mind was I wanted to be union. It's an odd thought, thought for a management person. And as a 20, I think I was 22 years old, I went to see Wendell Young III. What, what an absolutely lovely human being. Um, incredibly passionate about the workers, but in the same token, I always felt he cared about the business succeeding too and about me succeeding. And we really developed what I thought was a beautiful relationship. We, we were, for the most part, friends the, the whole time, um, which is, you know, dating back 35 years. And uh, I remember he had talk radio and I would be on his his talk radio and we'd talk about all kinds of things. And he was a beautiful human being. And I remember to, to negotiate our first uh, contract, he assigned it to Ronnie Rosmini. That'll be, a, you know, the 1776 folks will remember Ronnie. And again, another just really good human being, you know, just really gave his life for workers. And at the same token, knew how to handle the employers, you know, knew how to understand their business, understand what they could and couldn't do. And I think it's just an example of good labor management. How do you how do you do this the right way that that everyone ends up better off? And so I have incredibly fond memories of Wendell. And um, I thought he was a, a groundbreaking labor leader and just a great human being that was always there for society. 
Bolton USA is proud to sponsor tonight's Legends of Labor Hall of Fame induction ceremony of the late great Wendell Young III. His incredible life and legacy continue to inspire us. Bolton USA is a full-service employee benefits, actuarial investment, and compensation consulting firm with 40 years of experience, providing consulting services to clients in many business and government sectors, building long-term partnerships by delivering impactful solutions to complex issues. To learn more, visit BoltonUSA.com. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. Tonight's Legends of Labor special is sponsored by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, Local 1776, Willick Williams and Davidson, Attorneys at Law, Bolton, USA, The Young Law Group, and Mental Health Consultants. And back here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, it's our Legends of Labor Hall of Fame induction of Wendell W. Young III. Moving right along, Jay Dog, we've we've had some great testimonials um, that really are, they really help you look back in time and understand, um, which I think is so important. So well done. It, It is important, but also so we... So we can develop the next generation of labor leaders. Um, it, it, you know, it's one of the most important things about the movement. It's why Philadelphia is the number one union region in the United States of America. And so uh, you know, that's what this is about. Obviously, documenting and recognizing in perpetuity so that we can maintain our status as a labor movement. You read the accolades of Wendell W. Young III, okay? Staggering, and if if, if uh, anybody who thought that just to negotiating a collective bargaining agreement was what was being a uh, what, what being a labor leader was all about, just listen to the broadcast. By the way, speaking of legends of labor, we have a, a great guest uh, coming on the phone, uh, coming on the broadcast. Uh, Tom Cronin, Wendell, if you would. Well, so. Um a lot of us know Tom Cronin. I know Tom Cronin because growing up in a union household, I would hear a lot of labor union leaders' uh, names, um, not only from Philadelphia area, but from all around. And one of those names that was a constant was Tom Cronin. Um, my father um, you know, was considered very progressive, very liberal, and, and Tom was uh, cut from the same, is cut from the same cloth. Um, and and I, I, I don't know if Tom knows this, but my father was very fond of Tom um, because of the things that Tom embraced and the causes that he supported and the way he led. I uh, actually think he was a little jealous and wanted to be like you in a lot of ways. Uh, well, he too. was my parole agent. And there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I, you know, I was so delighted when I saw that Tom was able to come tonight because, um, um, you know, he, he, he predates me a little bit. He's only a little bit older than me. But also one of those names that I grew up here and that I was so impressed with. Thank you, Tom. Tom Cronin. Thank you. Thank you. So, Tom, it's great to have you on the broadcast. I, I, I believe, so we've been doing a labor show for about nine years, Joe, eight, nine years. Tom, I think, you know, you've been on the show. It's been a while, um, but it's definitely great to have you uh, on, on, the, uh, on the program and, and certainly to pay homage to Wendell uh, W. Young III. And, great man. Uh, and if you would, share, share your relationship and, and some of your experiences. Well, I think the first time that uh, I actually saw Wendell, I, hadn't, I didn't meet him, but he was running for office. 
and I was working, I was a uh, youngster working as a checker at one of the Acme markets, and uh, I was excited. I heard that he was coming, and uh, the younger, particularly I think the younger members were really excited to see him. We had heard a lot about him, that he was, you know, up-and-comer, could be the next union president, so that's the first time that I saw him. Uh, The first time that I voted for anyone in the trade union movement was, was a vote for Wendell Young. And your impressions uh, when you did meet him, to talk about what jumped out. Well, I thought he had, um, first of all, I thought he was a good speaker. I, he had uh, a lot of guts. He could relate to the, I think, the average person very well. And I was just, I was very impressed with him because I saw him uh, essentially as the same type of person I was, coming from the same background. Uh, whether it was a religious background or, or uh, uh, ethnic. So I was, I was impressed with him, and I was impressed with, with uh, what I had heard about him. And uh, I, that never ceased. So over the years, he and I have been on many picket lines together, uh, many, many, I would say, uh, not just labor union picket lines, but um, uh, peace, civil rights, issues and uh, he was a guy also international issues he was a he was a person one of the things that impressed me was his mind and his the fact that he was uh, so aware of what was going on in many other countries and uh, he was a fellow that believed that solidarity did not end at the borders of the United States but went beyond those to other countries and that was an amazing thing about him to be able to hear about not only the trade union movement in our own country, but the trade union movement in other, many other countries. That's interesting because when you think about that, you think about the scope of um, a young labor leader. And, and Wendell, you know this. Um, I've, I've seen you know, young labor leaders get blinded by the light. Like in other words, you know, there's so many different issues. It's an overwhelming type situation. Not only did your father impact his own union and the hard struggle at the hard fights when they came up. I've, I've seen those type of fights when the old man came in the house and said, okay, we're going to move, we're moving the hall. And if they don't vote for it, I'm done. Right. And that's because we had to get out of the building. Right. My point is your father had a lot of them fights where you're like, taking the safe route would have been a lot easier. Okay. He could have put his head under, under, under the pillow and still done a great job. Uh, but he, he was willing to do those type of things. Tom, what, did, what, what, what was your impression there when you think about a lot of those and the fact that he would go overseas? I mean, did you read that resume? I mean, you think about, it, you know, most labor leaders, good people, good, really good labor leaders, they, they can't get out of their own, you know, building, let alone impact the, the, the labor movement around us and going overseas. Your thoughts? Well, I mean, one of the, I think, great things about Wendell, and this goes even beyond his uh, trade union career, was when he was on the radio. And he would, he would amplify, I think, experiences that various people had in the trade union movement so that he, he would take you beyond your union hall or several union halls out into the general public so that people could get a chance uh, to hear you and talk to you and also ask you questions. He, I mean, he was amazing that way. Uh, he, he was one of the only, I, I remember being uh, with a group of trade unionists 
from different unions, and we had organized a trip to Nicaragua uh, and El Salvador and Honduras, and we had gotten pinched. Some of us, about six of us, got pinched <laughs> in Honduras, which was a bad place to get arrested, let me tell you. And uh, Wendell, it made, it made the, the press worldwide. And one of the things that was amazing about it is that he was—he wanted to—he wanted his audience to be able to hear what went on in other unions like Honduras. So he brought us on the air to talk about that. Yeah, it's interesting. I was saying to Joe Kraus, in in in, in the research, uh, you know, Mr. Young was a, 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 a radio announcer. He had his own show. Okay, and by the way, um, having you know, I I did not get the opportunity to know him. Of course, I've heard about him, you know, since I was a kid, but. Um, having that gift of gab, what happened, Wendell? You didn't, it, didn't, it didn't hit you? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think, uh, I, I think um, we, we, we each have our, our uh, strengths in that area. And you, and you got that one. One, one. one of my neighbors growing up told me when I was a kid, nobody's going to, you can't talk a job done and nobody's going to pay to talk for a living. Right. And, uh, well, you know, as it turns out, that's but you, you, <laughs> by far, Wendell, you are one of not only the great guests, but one of the great co-hosts. And but, like my grandmother said, you didn't lick it from the bricks. But let me go back to what Tom was talking about. My father understood. Today, we, we hear the term global economy a lot. He used to call it the, the, uh, that we were up against multinational corporations, that that the movement he saw where, where things were going to, not only where they were going, but where they were going to go in terms of consolidation of companies, not only within the United States, but, but across the globe. And he understood we needed alliances. And so that global outreach was about building relationships with trade union movements in other countries that, that as Tom talked about, you know, didn't see the, the, the border being you know, the, the end of the road. Uh, he really felt that you had to invest the time to do that. So, for example, um, when he was going to Mexico and other places uh, south of the border, um, that helped reinforce relationships with farm workers here in this country. And let's face it, we're the United Food and Commercial Workers, back then called retail clerks, that, um, paid, paid, that, that, that built relationships that were able to help each other. So when the, when the great uh, grape strike was underway, the boycott, I, I'm sorry I meant to say, with Cesar Chavez, well, one of the biggest grape purchasers uh, were, or producers was uh, Ernest and Julio Gallo. Well, we were able to impact, as the biggest buyer of wine, the movement of those products in liquor stores. You see the relationship? Yeah. And a lot of the people working in those fields came from south of the border. So he understood the need to build those relationships, not just south of the border, but in Europe, in Italy, in, in other places, in, in Germany, elsewhere. And, and also... But, you know, and I was wondering what, what took you across the borders. But also, uh, Tom, talk about you know, along those lines. Was there pushback? Because I'm, I'm also sensing the fact that when you, when you go travel, when you go to other countries, you know, you're talking about organizing and you're talking about, you know, different efforts to make their experience as positive as, you know, and, and, and as impactful as ours here. Did you receive um, pushback in other countries? Uh, well, not only did we receive some pushback in other countries, I mean, you couldn't get more pushback than being arrested, I think, and uh, uh, being threatened with your, you know, the, your very life. But you get pushback in your own union, and you have to be able to know how to deal with that, how to handle it, and how to relate to your union members that have a criticism. And it could be a valid criticism, but you had to be able to talk to them about it and relate it somehow to their lives, to their contract. 
talk about. So, oh, I'm sorry. so I like to tie it together. These are the things yeah. I learned growing up, watching guys like Tom Cronin travel to other countries to build relationships, and my father. So in our own union here, we've got, and we don't have time to go through the examples, but a number of examples where those re relationships paid dividends years later. For example, we have an Italian meat processing company we represent up in Friedland, PA. Those relationships built with Italian labor unions and their workers helped us get through some sticky negotiations at times. And in turn, we were able to help them over in Italy. And the same thing, we have a slaughterhouse here. My first day on the job as a full-time union organizer, I went up to um, uh, Leaflet as an organizer, a non-union meat plant here in Montgomery County. A couple decades later, we organized that plant because of our relationship that started with my father's work in Brazil. That years later, that, the, the relationship with that Brazilian labor union um, um, and, and JBS is a now that company is owned by the Brazilian company. Well, those relationships help us uh, get that, that company organized here in Pennsylvania. Um, and, and at the bargaining table, we had the Brazilian labor leaders come to the United States here in Pennsylvania to make sure that the company bargained fairly because they have a lot of control and we just recently organized. Those relationships started 30, 40 years earlier in those, in those trips to start to get to know those people. And, and, and the picture doesn't get any bigger than yeah. that in understanding the landscape. Tom Cronin, our special guest here on our Legends of Labor Hall of Fame induction of Wendell W. Young uh, III. Uh, Tom, thank you so much. Well done. Uh, nice job. We'll get to a commercial break. Big round of applause uh, for Tom Cronin. On the other side of the break, Pat Eiding will join us back in a moment. I'm State Senator Tina Tartaglia, and I am extremely proud to be a part of this program this evening. I can think of no other individual that deserves to be in the Labor Hall of Fame other than Wendell Young III. Mr. Young gave me my start. I would not have been a senator if it was not for Wendell. He was a man of the people. He cared. He made it important when we worked for the union that we understood where the union started and how we got to where we are now. So we learned the whole history. But I also learned from Mr. Young his sense of social justice. When Cesar Chavez was trying to organize the migrant workers, Mr. Young walked with Cesar Chavez as they did that. Plus, we have the state stores and he refused to have our members in the state store put California wines on the shelf. It's the first time it ever happened, and it was the last time it ever happened. Wendell brought me into the union. He taught me that the union would protect workers, and that was his main goal, to make sure his workers were taken care of, whether it was with salary, benefits, pension, he made sure each and every member was taken care of. Wendell is the reason that I became so passionate about labor. Chairing the committee in, in the Senate of Labor and Industry, that all came from Wendell. He taught me well. I can never replace Wendell Young III. He was a good family man. He was a religious man. And he is someone that I've come to admire and love. He is missed and he is loved. I know of no better person to be inducted into the Labor Hall of Fame other than Wendell Young III. 
This is Wendell Young, president of UFCW Local 1776. We proudly represent nearly 35,000 members who serve their communities at meatpacking and food processing plants, nursing homes, manufacturing plants, grocery stores, our fine wine and good spirits stores, and in the medical cannabis industry, among others. Our members earn fair wages and good benefits. We give workers a voice in their workplace. To learn more about our union, please visit UFCW1776.org. Willig Williams and Davidson celebrates the remarkable legacy of Wendell W. Young III for a lifetime of service to working families. His empathy, determination, and commitment have inspired generations of activists. He inspires us. WWD is blessed to have called him a client and a friend. For more than 40 years, Willig Williams and Davidson lawyers have represented unions and their members in labor relations, workers' compensation, and legal services. Learn more at WWD www.dlaw.com Today's program has been pre-recorded. Tonight's Legends of Labor special is sponsored by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union Local 1776. Rolling right along here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. It is our Legends of Labor Hall of Fame induction of Wendell W. Young, the third J. Doc. What a great show uh, that you're, we've put together tonight. And we just get to tell the story. We just get to live and listen uh, about the story. But tremendous uh, work by you. A lot of good, uh, lot of good um, uh, time that you spent in learning and understanding. And you're doing a great job well, conveying it I to the audience. Well, I appreciate it. And I'm, and I'm appreciative that we get to share it with the Delaware Valley. That's okay. the, and, and that's the important thing. That's I lost my train of thought there for a moment. But that's the important thing. I want the listening audience who is not the choir right. to understand. Well, I want them to be educated about the power of what Wendell Young, what he stood for. Uh, and, uh, absolutely. And, 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 and education is, uh, you know, it comes in a lot of different areas. Uh, union members, okay? Unionism, union members, union leaders, the general public. So they understand what we're about and, and why there's a picket line and all those things. And, and, and we are paying homage to somebody who is a big part of, the, of, of making our movement what it is today and where it's going to always be. And so I'm ecstatic uh, to, to bring on to the program Stuart Davidson. Uh, if you would, Wendell, please uh, introduce Stuart. So uh, Stuart has been a really important um, uh, person to the members of Local 1776 and to my father, you know, for, um, I would say, the second half of my dad's career. You know, uh, dad had um, um, great legal representation um, in Bernie Katz, who's, uh, who's gone now. Um, when, when I was growing up in, in, in the house and, and, um, and also in my early days as a union member, Bernie was the locals' counsel. But there came a time we needed to make a change, and, and Dad um, found Stuart uh, and his firm, and, um, and it's been a great relationship since. I, I'll also tell you, he also was the officiant at my wedding um, for Nancy and I, and uh, did an did a awesome job. Um, it was covered under the retainer. Yes. <laughs> and, and, um, but, you know, it just underscores the relationship and the trust we had in, have in, in Stuart and all the really fine lawyers at, at Willig and Davidson. Um, and, and, the, and the relationship sustained for a lot of years for good reason, because you know, it's not just that they're good lawyers and, um, and and have done a great job, but they uh, are fierce about protecting our members' interests. And for that reason, I have 
thought it'd be a good idea to hear from Stuart. Thank you. Well, Stuart, first of all, uh, it's great to have you here. I know uh, the importance of, of our um, our labor uh, legal representation. Talk about it, what it means and what type of responsibility that is, and also um, what the impact that Wendell Young III had on you as you as you uh, you know came into the union. All right. So let me just take a contrary point of view about Wendell W. Young III. What the heck? We've said way too many. I good mean, there's been about all this positive accolades. He was. The worst nightmare that a labor lawyer could have. Because <laughs> Wendell was always pushing the limits. He was always going up to the line and over the line. And he would frequently remind me that he didn't pay me to tell him what to, to do, but to get him out of a jam when he got into a jam. And he was uh, like peanut butter and jelly. Um, but in truth... Uh, over the, the years, I've come to the conclusion that uh, Wendell was not of this world, that he was a time traveler, and that he came back in time to change the labor movement and to change the dynamic that was in existence in Pennsylvania and across the country when he was leading the UFCW. And, uh, you know, I remember as a young lawyer, and I, before that I was a union organizer, I was a little terrified about what I didn't know. He was never terrified about what he didn't know. Um, he made me learn it. Um, one of the first things that, that we did together, and you mentioned it earlier, uh, was developing uh, the uh, child care program. Uh, he recognized, and, and by the way, so did the companies, how difficult it was to, to, to build schedules with a primarily um, a female workforce, many of them young mothers, um, who couldn't come to work if their child was sick or if they didn't have a play, someone to take care of their child. And so it was wreaking havoc on the schedules. Wendell understood that. He had a few kids of his own. Uh, we actually don't know how many. There's, um, <laughs> we, have, we have estimates. Um, uh, but, um, but Wendell realized the problem, um, and he went to develop um, um, <laughs> with the fourth um, a, 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 a remarkable uh, child care program daycare program that allowed union workers to have discount and sometimes no cost uh, opportunities, um, good, decent uh, programs for their children. So that the, the, and the employers were a little, not altogether excited about actually funding it, uh, but it, it helped them and it kept the stability in the stores and it helped more and more young women get into the workforce and build the benefits that you were talking about earlier about unwed mothers. You remember that people people today don't know the, what that term means, unwed mothers. They're single moms, but but it was in those days, um, a stain on people to be called an unwed mother. And, and uh, Wendell pushed back very hard against any negative uh, um, thought about people in those situations. And he demanded uh, that we find a way to provide benefits for those people when virtually nobody would provide benefits to them. And that's not where it ended. 
he wanted to make sure that the union was part of people's lives, not just when they were raising their children and not when their children were in the stores working, but to build a better future for them in the future. So we developed an educational program, a groundbreaking educational program that sent countless young uh, UFCW members and UFCW family members to higher education and to other forms of education um, that built a stronger relationship between the union and those members. And that's something that has been lost. Look, when I was growing up outside of Boston, our baseball team was a union-sponsored team. Our bowling league was a union-sponsored bowling league. Um, it, it was part of the fabric of our families. It was a movement. And Wendell Young's union was a movement. And he led that movement. And that's a very important point. And you touched on it earlier. Leadership matters. Some people are afraid of their members. Some people are always counting votes. And other people are leading their members to a better future. Absolutely. And he would talk straight to the members. It's, it's uh, Wendell the Fourth's strength as well. You walk in during difficult times when the stores were in trouble, when the economy was tanking, and you had to, to, to speak plainly and truthfully and transparently to the members, and, and, and he did that. And they respected and revered him and loved him for it. Um, he made me a much better labor lawyer. And, and I say that. Stuart, I, when he walked into a room, did he own the room? Oh, yeah. You know, you might not be able to see him, but you knew he was there. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's funny because a, re, a new labor leader, recent labor leader, his the guy's father-in-law called me up. Okay, guy walked into a difficult situation, and he, he just I knew the guy, the, the guy's father-in-law growing up, and so he called me and said, you know, what should my son, what, what should my son-in-law do? And I mean, I'm not even in that union, but I said, tell you what, Call your labor lawyers. If you have any problem trusting anybody, um, those are the individuals that you can follow. Talk about what it was like having to say no to Wendell Young III. Couldn't do it. I don't think I ever said no to Wendell Young III. I begged him. I controlled him. I kind of suggested different or, or pathways, but <laughs> I never said no because it was it was a fruitless endeavor. But but he probably he he knew your job as much as you. You know, he understood the law. Just wanted to push the envelope. No, he wrote the law, and that it was Wendell Young law. Um, it's true. I mean, he would push me very hard to find a way to get to the point where he wanted to get to. And so maybe I could convince him that the path that he was on at that particular time uh, was not the right path. But it, for me to be able to do that, I had to find another path. And, 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 but I say that because I can only imagine how many ideas he had. Okay. No, you can't and, imagine uh, no, it. Uh, and, and you getting that call, I'm sure, because of his accomplishments. Oh, oh, and those calls came when the ideas popped into us. <laughs> Three in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, no. So, and, and and it's just amazing when I think about it. Uh, talk about you know your fondest memory. Well, my fondest memory. Uh, there's so so many of them. <laughs> I'm not going to tell that one, but. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember one time he got me arrested. I'm supposed to be the one that's out of jail, getting other people out of jail. But we were at the Dukakis convention. When was that? 84, 88, something like that. 80. 
And um, I was there uh, as a member of the platform committee, but I didn't get tickets. I didn't get passes to go on to the, the floor of the convention. He was a delegate. He was an elected delegate. He had uh, passes. So he, he took pity on me, this starstruck kid who wanted to be on the floor of the convention. He said, I'll take care of it. I'm going to get you one of our passes. So he came in the next day and he gave me a pass. It was a counterfeit pass. It was a counterfeit pass printed by his printer, uh, Kennedy, Kennedy, Jim Kennedy. Jim, Jim Kennedy. And the minute I walked in and showed that pass, I was arrested. But, but look, I even, I've heard this story from other people. There were a lot of those passes, but only Stewart got arrested. There was a premium on arresting lawyers. Is there a statute of limitations on that? Uh, well, asking. it doesn't matter because I was arrested, so they had me. <laughs> it's double jeopardy now. So, um, before we go, first of all, Stuart, we want to thank you so much. By the way, we obviously we could go on. All, you I'm know. going to tell you one other go quick ahead. story. Go ahead, hit, hit me. So, so, uh, and then I'll I'll wrap it up. Like I said, you can't just push me off here. <laughs> Wendell understood what it was to be human. And Wendell frequently, you know, sometimes he would say things <laughs> go a little bit far, right? So we were in a, in, a, in a health and welfare meeting, and the issue of Viagra comes up. And, and, and Viagra was this amazing drug, and it was very new. Still, by the way, it still is. But it, <laughs> Just kidding. And the employer trustees did not want to cover Viagra. They were against covering Viagra. And Wendell, you know, who was the chairman of the fund, said, we're going to cover Viagra, and we're going to cover it by the number of pills that I use every month. So every member is going to have the ability. To, and he gave us the number, which itself was very impressive. It is impressive. <laughs> I don't know where to go with this, Grouse. Where do we go? <laughs> but he was always fighting for the members. And that's why today in Pennsylvania um, and around the country, uh, there are literally thousands, maybe tens of thousands of young workers and older workers who are touched by him. And it's why I think in many respects, and I'm sorry he's not here to see it, that the American labor movement is supported by 71% of Americans. 71% of Americans don't agree on anything in this country except the recognition that the labor movement and that unions are important and meaningful and the strongest group supporting the labor movement are young workers. And those are the workers he loved the most. He brought them into this union. He gave them opportunities to work through this union. That was the Wendell Young who has a lasting legacy in America through the lives of those thousands and thousands of young workers and people that care about them and his own offspring who are doing remarkable work. All right. Stuart Davidson. Thank you so much. How do you follow that? You don't. You go right to the break. Back in a moment. This is Congressman Dwight Evans. Wendell III was somebody who I knew an awful lot about. He is the reason why the United Food commercial workers are who they are. His footprint is there today, so you can see it through Wendell Jr. as a result of the tone that his father set 
for that union. So I'm proud to say I knew him well. He helped me get elected going to the state house back in the 1980s. So I've been very proud of him. And I thank his father for all that he has done for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and the nation. He was a fantastic person. Union members who need help with mental health and substance abuse problems turn to MHC. MHC is a behavioral health care company serving unions for over 40 years. They provide member assistance programs and access to a dedicated provider network. MHC's licensed care managers provide individualized support to members struggling with depression, anxiety, and addiction. They take the guesswork out of behavioral health treatment options. MHC also provides training, education, and crisis response at the worksite. For more information, visit mhconsultants.com. Bolton USA is proud to sponsor tonight's Legends of Labor Hall of Fame induction ceremony of the late, great Wendell Young III. His incredible life and legacy continue to inspire us. Bolton USA is a full-service employee benefits, actuarial, investment, and compensation consulting firm with 40 years of experience, providing consulting services to clients in many business and government sectors, building long-term partnerships by delivering impactful solutions to complex issues. To learn more, visit boltonusa.com. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. Today's program has been pre-recorded. Tonight's Legends of Labor special is sponsored by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union Local 1776 and sponsored in part by Willig Williams and Davidson Attorneys at Law, Bolton USA, The Young Law Group, and Mental Health Consultants. And back here on the Legends of Labor Hall of Fame induction of Wendell W. Young the third and a special thanks to Stuart Davidson from Willig Williams and Davidson uh, great guest in our last segment all of our guests tonight have uh, contributed in many many uh, different ways uh, and Wendell you know my mother used to say to me uh, take a lesson from the dead and you'll be so much better when you're here and we're learning so many lessons about the history and the past of your father. It's amazing. Well, go ahead. I'll go ahead, please. So our, our next guest, um, I first um, heard his name when I was um, in the 80s, before I met him, when my uh, parents were selling a house in Northeast Philly, and we needed to get rid of some asbestos. My dad was a little old school. He didn't think there was a lot, so there's no reason I couldn't do it. And, and, he, and, he, and he never really had a lot of time to, like, line things up. So he just called me one day and said, call this guy. And, and it was Pat Eiding, who was with the asbestos workers. And uh, Pat was a little nervous. He's like, you know, you really shouldn't be doing this. But if you're going to, and then he proceeded to tell me what to do. So I followed most of his instructions. And then not long after that, um, you know, I got to know him when there was change occurring at the AFL-CIO. My father told me there was one guy that was right to lead the council. And, and because he was the kind of person needed to bring everybody together. Because the, prior to Pat's arrival, there was a lot of divisiveness at the Philadelphia Council. And, um, and, and, and Dad was right about that. 
Um, and, and, you know, he was one of the ones that, you know, really argued for Pat to be the guy. And when Pat came in, he did a lot to um, put, put that um, divisiveness behind us. He was good at uh, forging compromise and bringing people together, and he's done an outstanding job. And, uh, and it's really been a pleasure working with him all these years um, because Philadelphia Council is such an important council, the AFLCO here in Philadelphia, um, considering it's the most densely populated area and center of um, uh, the political get-out-the-vote in, in Pennsylvania. And so, Pat, I'm glad you came tonight. Um, my, my dad had a lot of respect for you, and, and that's why he, he really felt you were the right guy for it. Thank you, Wendell, and, and the respect I have to assure you is mutual. But I think it's a uh, it's an unfair situation to come in after Stuart Davis and, and Joe <laughs> using Viagra all yeah. the times. I mean, uh, right, God, right. Uh, what what a lead in that! Uh, yeah, I, it's got to go downhill from there. Did, did I did I say that? Go ahead. But listen, there's a tremendous amount of things that have been said about Wendell III. And uh, not as young as Wendell, but I was fortunate enough or unfortunate enough, I don't know how you place that, to start out very young uh, in a position of leadership that uh, I always thought that I was going to be one of those company people. And uh, all of a sudden, similar to, to Wendell, uh, there was something going on that I didn't think was right. And I think that's what Wendell was always about, if, if it wasn't right. And, you know, coming up through the, the time that I did, I was with the building trades, and uh, Wendell was criticized a lot because thinking, if you will, back in those times, the, at least me, the, the mid to late 70s and the 80s, uh, the building trades were, you know, they were a name. Good, bad, or ugly, they were a name. And Wendell was just steady. He was always doing something for somebody. I mean, uh, what's unique is he had the Comey Institute at St. Joe's. And all the people who criticized them, those leaders were people who went to St. Joe's to find out how to be leaders. And this was Wendell who set that up. And he, you know, he had that kind of, uh, he had that kind of history that was, in our world, dull, but his is steady. And it, steady to where he cared about working people in a way that um, the rest of the world was a little different politically. He fought that kind of thing upstream, and I don't want to rely on his book because what I knew about him at, uh, I think it was Car Fair. Car Fair. Where Car Fair, where he, he, you know, for how many months or maybe years, he fought this foreign country, company coming over here, tearing down conditions for working people. Uh, very unique. I think uh, he created the, the first picket line coming from the building trades that I saw where he had mannequins or something for so, filling so in for people. people in the room here that walked that so, picket line. So, I mean, so it's, this, is what I, this is what I knew about him. And uh, I knew he ran for Congress against Tom McGran, a guy named uh, Eddie Goldsmith. Uh, being a young guy with John McCullough still around and all, this, there was a lot of things happening. But in Wendell's side, we didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know too much. I just knew of him. And in that whole world, he's the only person I knew that had anything to do with an Acme or, uh, you know, ShopRite. There was no ShopRites back then, but the, the other stores. But then in 2005... Unfortunately for the labor movement, they had a convention where the labor movement split. And I have to tell you, and this is a little bit emotional, Wendell Young got up on the floor with how many thousands of people were there at that convention and tried to impress on those leaders how important it was to work in people for them to stay together and not let this happen. And I think for, if not for years, for months after that, Wendell's speech was recognized 
because it was so emotional and so real. It spoke of the man he was. It spoke of the man he lived. And, you know, fast forward, he was one of the entrees that came to Pat Eiding about taking over this AFLCO thing that whatever was going on there. And, and unfortunately, it was a mess. Uh, but the same people who kind of criticized Wendell because he was so social compared to the building trades and some of the other politicians in the city of Philadelphia admired him. I remember Pat Gillespie speaking of him in, a, in, in almost an emotional fashion when Wendell got sick. This is one of the people that I grew up with that thought Wendell was somebody else. Like, did it, he had two heads somewhere because he didn't think like us. He didn't think like that. But I have a, another story that, uh, that I think really tells the man. There was a guy named Sal, young guy. Sal Barbino. He got hold of the uh, he got hold of the leadership of the of the longshoremen, and unfortunately, he got a disease of some sort that I don't even remember what it was. It happened so soon and so quick. But Wendell Young was sitting in the lobby of the hospital when I saw him to visit him, waiting for a room. I guess it was Jefferson. I'm not sure. It was Jefferson. Yeah, waiting for a room. And in comes Sal, sick as he was. And a room came available for Wendell. Wendell said, give it to Sal. That's the guy we're talking about. So when you talk about labor leaders and the tough guys, and, you know, I mentioned John McCall. I mentioned some other people. I was fortunate enough to transcend a lot of great leaders who were tough leaders. But when you think of Wendell and his strong leadership and what he's done, and just look at, look at who he organized. Look, at, look who he made a, a family life better because of whether it was unwed mothers or whether it was uh, somebody just starting out while he was trying to go to school. That's a whole other area that people, I don't, often, I don't think they often think about it. I mean, we're sitting at the table now. That some people don't know the, the ShopRite Union. There's a lot of things that happen in a world of, of, of the labor movement that was uh, criticized, was pushed back on, and the guy never stopped. Now, I don't have the funny stories to say about him, although I, I do have a couple of a friend of his by the name of Jim Johnson that I can't talk about. But, but it's, it's, just, it's, it's just really, really important that he's one of the folks, one of the first people that are being recognized on this show because I think that there's, there's not enough told about him. And the personal side that I had the great experience with the last few years of his life being with me down at the uh, AFL-CIO, not only as, as a labor leader, but guided me in a lot of ways just by conversation because he lived it. And it wasn't something he was talking about somebody else did. It was something he did. So it's my pleasure to be here tonight. I'm honored to be here tonight. And uh, thank you for asking me. So I want to share a little bit more about Sal's story. So mm. Dad did get a room soon after. They were there at the same time. Sal had a, a really tough time ahead of him health-wise. And um, while Sal liked to, um, before it was legal to do so, this was quite a while ago, liked to smoke pot in his hospital room. And, of course, to get Sal that room, Dad had to make a few calls, which led him to the, I guess, the head of the hospital. And um, so they end up calling Dad. 
and saying, listen, we got a problem. You need to talk to your friend. Now, they're both in the same hospital. So dad ends up schlepping on over to Sal's room to say, Sal, you can't smoke dope in the hospital. <laughs> right? You know, you just, they're not going to go for that. They're not going to let you stay here if you keep doing that. And, of course, Sal needed some relief. Well, dad, you know, was gone in a few days. Not gone like dead. I mean, gone like he, he got discharged. And... Um, and uh, he calls me up and he says, you got to take me out of the hospital. I said, what's the matter? He goes, well, Sal is no longer smoking in his room. He's going with the, the what's that thing that uh, you have your IV hooked up to on the, on, the, on the wheels? In his robe with no back to it, out to the street corner and smoking dope out on the street corner now. And, and, and so dad insisted I drive him down there so he could go talk to Sal that, like, you can't do this. So Sal's like, what, you want me to get dressed? <laughs> what are they going to do, arrest me? I'm not going to be here that long. And, uh, and, and Sal, you know, didn't, you know he, he, he succumbed to his, to his illness. But, uh, but my dad um, really hit it off with Sal while they were there together and, and, and stayed in touch and, and, uh, but also tried to find a way for Sal to get some relief without getting busted. <laughs> and Wendell, I, I think it's, it should be a known fact that what your dad had wasn't, you know, it wasn't a mild cold. No, I mean, not he at was, all. he yeah. was yeah. in some really bad time in his life. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, he just let it all hang out and, and not like Sal. But in a, in a way that's well, not there. <laughs> <Let us go. laughs> but he's quite a guy. I mean, really. I mean, I and coming from I don't want to you know go back to to where I started, but knowing what I knew about him then, which was very little except what I heard, and then getting to know the man, starting in two thousand and five at his speech, and then the real part of that I came close with, and. Uh, uh, I think you know, because I made a phone call to you. I want to keep him yeah. around. So. Thank you. Pat Eiding, president of the AFL-CIO, finishing us up here tonight on the Legends of Labor Hall of Fame induction of Wendell W. Young, the uh, third uh, Wendell. I want to come back to you. Uh, two minutes left until uh, we wrap up uh, this very special broadcast, and you get all two minutes, sir. Well, I want to thank um, the station and um, Jay Doc and, and Krause and 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 everyone for uh pulling this together it's a nice way to remember dad but um it's also nice to see everybody that came tonight um you know i look around the room uh some folks i worked with at acme uh were here tonight some of the staff i worked with uh, in my first uh um, summer full-time on the job as a, a a green organizer uh lou ferrante's hero i got assigned to work with is you know, my first mentor on the job and um, you know, I, I see Stan Katus here. We ran into each other at, at the Fetterman rally with his whole family, all of whom worked for Acme. All um, uh, five of them, I think it, it was, or six all, all together. And we had a nice time reminiscing and, and so many others here tonight. So it, it's, it's nice to be able to spend some time with you uh, before we got started the show. But for my dad, um, you know, he loved the union. He loved the members. It wasn't always easy. I mean, I was at meetings where things got rough. People were angry because they didn't like what was going on. And he had to deliver some tough messages sometimes and, uh, and tell them things they didn't want to hear. But, you know, he always said, you, know, you got to be honest, you got to be transparent, and, and you, you can't, you, you can't um, uh, not tell them what they need to hear. And, and he really worked hard. Uh, I would see it growing up in, his, in the house 
um, to try and figure out solutions that everyone had told him there are no solutions. I, I once wrote a, something about him where, you know, in every aspect of his life, lines were drawn in front of him. People draw lines, so you can't, you know, pass this line on, on any number of issues. Companies, you know, uh, um, uh, healthcare providers and negotiating benefits, everybody. He always found a way to get past that line. Um, he knew people's expectations were not always going to be able to be met, but um, he felt, you know, that if he gave it all he got and, uh, and worked hard and was honest with them, that they would support him. And he also, you know, we talked about some of the things earlier, um, you know, the unwed mothers, but also his, his efforts against the war in Vietnam. Um, you know, that was not popular with a lot of members that he was out fighting that, even though some of them were losing their sons to it. And, um, and, and remember what Stewart said about the members. Well, our members, many of them started out at 15, 17, 19 years old, like I did, like people in this room did, and I'm, I'm sitting here with right now. Um, and, and they were the young people that were going somewhere else, weren't getting a start in life, and, and many of them not coming home. Um, and, you know, the civil rights movement was really important to them. Um, you know, I know he, he was on the forefront of uh, we think a civil rights movement as black, white, but he really saw it uh, multidimensional. Um, he used to always use the term black, white, and galvanized. And, and he really it wasn't just about color, culture, what countries you came from, but also your, your gender identification. That term wasn't used back then, but, you know, he, he, uh, he worked really hard at that. He, I, I wish he could have lived to see how things have evolved here in this country because he really pushed for those issues. And, and to, to see that people can now be who they are and love who they want, I, I think would have been really nice to, if he had lived to see that because that's the kind of stuff he fought for for people to have rights, to have benefits, to be able to, um, you know, have a decent quality of life. Um, some of the things he talked about weren't in size and scope necessarily the biggest accomplishments, but he knew to the people um, it was. For example, he would often talk about his trip to bankruptcy court to protect the Corvette's pensions. And, you know, once that company went out of business and and these weren't the biggest pensions in the world. But to, but to see the way he went after that uh, to protect them, you would have thought they were million-dollar-a-year pensions. And, and he would say, you know, when, when it comes time for them to collect, that's going to make a difference in their life, even though it may not look like a big deal. And there were other leaders that didn't pursue it like he did. And, and for all of us that worked with him and for him, many of them were here tonight, um, I, I know they know what I'm talking about because we often were given challenges by Dad. I referred to him as dad, but, um, and a lot of times, let's face it, you know, we would sit there and go, oh, shit, that, like, how are we going to do that? And he really challenged us to figure out how to, to run the extra miles, put in the extra time. Uh, he had an, an amazing amount of creativity. And as Stewart said, he wasn't afraid of what he didn't know. He would then reach out and hire people that would help fill in those blanks. Uh, it was always make the effort. Don't just roll with it. And um, we all learned a lot from him. And I'm really, I'm really glad I had a chance to work with him all these years. Because uh, with how busy he was, I might not have known him so well. And I'm really glad that I did get them. Great stuff. Well Thanks. done. <laughs> Legends of Labor Hall of Fame induction of Wendell W. Young III. Our very special broadcast as we say goodbye to uh, everybody uh, who came out for the live event. Jay Doc, uh, we will do an actual presentation uh, of the plaque uh, right out in front. Um, we thank everyone for being a part of the Legends of Labor Hall of Fame induction. 
of Wendell W. Young III. See you next time, everybody. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded.